Hi everybody, my name is Aïda Moudachiro-Rebois. I'm the Global Chief Marketing Officer for MAC Cosmetics. And what I love about beauty is the fact that it's a true universal aspiration. No matter where you live in the world, you want to look what you think is your best. Does that make you feel your best? From New York City, you're listening to Beauty is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. Hi, this is Mimi Banks, and you're listening to Beauty is Your Business. And today I am so thrilled to have the global chief marketing officer of MAC Cosmetics, my dear friend who I've known for a long time and haven't seen in even longer, is Aida. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Mimi, for having me. Good to see you. So good to see you. I wish everybody could see us right now. We are full of smiles. It's just so nice to reconnect with an old friend. I have to say, if you haven't seen this or read it, Aida just came out with the most beautiful CEW article about her past, about how she grew up, about her ethos. And she has a really interesting story about how she landed in beauty and specifically at MAC. Aida, I'd love you to tell just like a piece of your story and specifically more about your role at MAC today. Happy to do so. So how did I land at MAC? I've been with Mac for two and a half years, but I've been a consumer of Mac for, I think, as long as I've been using makeup products. Because when I was about to get married, I was living in France at the time. I now live in New York, but at the time I was living in Paris. And I tried to find, you know, makeup look. Now today, you just got married, Mimi. You know what it is. Like you bring a makeup artist, you bring people to do your party's hair, et cetera, et cetera. But at the time, it wasn't that fancy or that organized. I was looking to put my look together. I was getting married in the south of France, living in Paris. Went around Paris to a big department store to try to find a product for me. And then I went to the first counter and then they're like, oh, great, but we cannot help you because we don't have any product for you, like any shade that will suit you. So I was like, oh. And then I went three counters over and I started to be very defeated and like to feel very bad about myself. And, you know, really as I was in been seen at all, right? Like, so when one of the makeup artists in one counter or the beauty advisor advised me to go over to that counter over there and she's like, that counter is MAC and it's a great brand and they probably have anything you need and they'll take care of you. And I got to MAC and I sat on a chair and a makeup artist saw my disarray and was able to talk me through what I wanted, who I was and where I was getting married and get my story out and make me feel good about being in that chair first and foremost, and then putting a few different looks on me. And then I walk out of that very surprised that a brand that I did not know about had so many things and knew so many things about the consumer I was. So I walked away with a Studio Fix Powder Foundation, a couple of lip shades that I still wear today, lip pencils, et cetera, et cetera. So that's how I discovered MAC. And from that day, I was obsessed with that brand because I did more research and of course I was working in the beauty field as well. So they're a natural competitor and they were, at the time, the brand was working their way through becoming the number one makeup brand in the world, embracing values that at the time were not universal values. They're not top of mind for any of the brand I was working for. So basically inclusivity, 
charitable brands that give back, treating every consumer the same, high-touch service with the makeup artist. And I felt it was a phenomenal brand. And here I am today working for MAC and feeling like I'm at home, even if it took me 20 years to actually close that loop. But that's how I discovered MAC. That's an incredible story. And then what is your role? Like, What does Chief Global Marketing Officer mean? The thing, it's so funny, right? Like, because I feel like marketing has evolved so much since I started in this field. And I think a lot of functions have evolved, but probably marketing has been the most transformed by a couple of things, but I would say mainly social media and the digital transformation, right? Because it gave a lot of power back into the hands of the consumer, whether on the discovery of the brands. So it was mainly through the brands then Now it's more through the preferred influencers or the friends, reading of reviews. So it's more through advocacy and also where they purchase the brand before you will just have access to what you had in your neighborhoods or in your city. Now you can, from the comfort of your couch, using an iPad on the phone, like order from anywhere in the world or, you know, know what's going on in the world. So I think... For that reason, the role of chief marketing officer were created because they had to connect the dots between so many different functions of marketing, from innovation to bringing the product to life to how you execute against the product. How do you bring insight into your strategy and how do you also train? And, you know, education is also part of what I obviously, how do you train your beauty advisor, in our case, makeup artist, to be at the best when it comes to be able to help the customer and service the customer. How do you strategize per region? You know, how do you price? How do you work with other departments like the creative teams, the commercial teams, the retail teams, the different regions to make sure that your strategy is fit for their needs, understood seamlessly? So I would say chief marketing officer, it's just a way of bridging the gap between the different function of marketing and also connecting the dots inside the brand to make sure that execution is stellar. And of course, I forget about social influencer, PR, brand communication, CSR. All these are also part of what my team take care of. So different teams, obviously. So that's pretty much what the role is. And it's a global role, which means that we are present in over 130 countries and territories. So We work with all these consumers and all these customers. One of the many things I thought was brilliant that you said in your CEW article was about keeping the culture at the forefront and being creative and reinforcing the founder's vision from 40 years ago, and then making sure that 40 years from now, the person who will be doing your job will have something to work from. I thought that that was very insightful. No, absolutely. Because I will tell you, Mimi, I started with Mac. My relationship with Mac started as a consumer. And the reason why I came and I love this brand so much was because the people who founded this brand had a vision, which were, we are going to create makeup to make everybody feel welcome and look their best. So it started with models that were black or had a darker skin tones, did not have product for them. It started with the fact that, you know, when you were at the time LGBTQAI+, you were not fully welcome to work in a beauty counter. They had this vision and for me it's a privilege to carry on what their vision was because I think their vision is what every brand wants to be today. 
but their vision was born 40 years ago when nobody was thinking about beauty in that space. Very progressive. So progressive and, and similar. I'm going to keep going back to the CEW article because I was just mind blown, but I think it just so resonates with what you mentioned that your parents' values that they instilled with you with empathy, solidarity, community, and that the doors always open. So that notion of inclusivity is intrinsic to who you are. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I define myself as an immigrant, so I carried my not understanding of other people's culture everywhere I went. I lived in, I grew up in Benin, Africa. I lived in Paris for a long time, London, New York, and in Canada. And everywhere, I really realized that what made me successful in adapting myself to those culture was the way I was brought, which was, to your point, you only matter if you are able to be part of the community around you and to take active part of the community, whether it's helping other people, playing a role if you are privileges using your privilege to really help others. And that's how my parents were raised themselves and that's how they raised us. And I believe that these are universal values that are important in the corporate world, in your personal life, in everywhere you go, actually. And being able to understand that everybody's treated equally, but everybody has value and worth is something that will carry anybody and any manager and people leader far, I believe. And I think that these values reinforce your leadership because you walk the talk. It's part of who you believe in. So it is the perfect match for you. But the other thing I'm curious about, and I think that people would be curious to know, is your life before Mac. You had preparation, you had training, you had mentors around the world, really. Can you tell us just a little bit about how you got there, just a little bit about your past? I think it's interesting for people listening to hear your career path, because I think it's really inspirational. First of all, you know, when I look back at 20 something years of career, the one thing I would say is nothing was planned. It all happened, taking things step by step and not having a big plan. And when I started in Paris to work in Paris, I did not know that I would still either be in Paris, go back to Africa. The U.S. was not even in my consideration set. So and here I am, moved here almost 14 years ago. So it's really step-by-step, step, taking every opportunity to grow and to learn. I think it's probably something that I would say. We met at L'Oreal, right, where I spent 15 years of my career. I started to work at L'Oreal right after school, but before my job, I had the fortune to be an intern at L'Oreal. So I can tell you, I've been doing marketing since I was an intern. And what I've learned along the way is, you're dealing with humans, right? The consumers are humans. So your ability to really be consumer-centric and exercise empathy with your consumer is super important. And everybody that I've admired and aspired to be had that, you know, from my first marketing boss, that was every Monday I'll come to my desk, I had a pile of magazine, kind of we call pige where they would script it, you know, what was interesting in that advertising that they were seeing, et cetera, et cetera. So keeping your curiosity and your ability to really look for what is exceptional in what other people do. And, you know, that curiosity, super important, that empathy to really believe that you don't have all answers and you could form your opinion by really, you know, being inspired by the outside. I had the 
fortune to meet people who believed in me more than I believed in myself, I have to say. And these were not formal mentors. They're always informal mentors. And I would say, be your best, do your best everywhere you are. I had this discussion last week with a, a young talent who was asking for advice. And she's like, as a Black woman, you know, in the US, how do you get to a position where you are today? And I'm like, well, first of all, it was never planned. Second, I always strive to do my best and not thinking about what could hold me back. And I always, I'm an optimistic person. And I always believe that when you do your best, because you are powering other people to be successful, they will notice you and they will mentor you formally or informally. And these are opportunities for you to ask questions, to take bets in your careers, and sometimes to take risk because I would say a career is not a linear. Sometimes you feel like you're taking a little bit of a step aside and you have to trust the process and you have to enjoy the process because at the end of the day, the process is what your career is going to be about. It's not where you are and your title. It's like day in and day out, are you learning? Are you growing? Are you being inspired? Are you inspiring people? So that's how I look at it. Now, that's incredible. And I think this all came ahead and they were the building box of getting you to where you are today, which is at an iconic brand like Mac that has so much going on that has stayed relevant for so long. So Mac actually had a very big achievement in launching skincare, which for a makeup brand is a huge, huge deal. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. I mean, this is our biggest launch so far. We launched in January. So a couple of months ago, we launched IPRL Skincare. So we've had skincare in the past. And, you know, of course, we're a makeup brand. We have 13,000 makeup artists who do fashion shows around the world. So before they put makeup on any skin, they know that prepping the skin is going to be important. So we've been having product like here and there. We have a product that is super iconic. Fix Plus, it's a multi-use spray that you can use to fix, refresh makeup or, you know, just like make your formulas pop more. We have had nuggets and icons in skincare before in the past, but with the pandemic, we've seen a shift, right? Like people were at home taking care of their skin and they're very expert in skincare. So we've been toying with the idea of launching a really serious skincare line for a while. But with the pandemic, we're like, you know, that's it. We should, right? We have also our makeup artists have been asking for, I prep the skin with this and that, but it would be great to have such and such product. When you ask consumer, they're like, yes, Mac can play into skincare. Absolutely. But they have to do it in a way that breached the gap to makeup. And if you think about the way makeup is today, it's about looks. So the look of your skin can be achieve with or without makeup. You can achieve a great look with a, a high glow skincare product and just have like a touch of blush, et cetera, et cetera. So we worked super hard to bring to life Hyperreal in a way that was uniquely MAC. So Hyperreal is high performance skincare that's built for makeup and keep your makeup fresh for 12 hours. But it's high performance skincare first and foremost that will get your skin to be the perfect canvas for makeup application. So it will retexturize your skin, work on your pores, on your dark spot, brighten your skin, add radiance. And we have a tight line, right? Like we started with a tight line with products that are designed to get the best out of your routine 
and be compatible with your makeup product. We launched the range in January globally. We had an amazing event in LA with influencers around the world. And it was working extremely well, you know, from Latam to Taiwan and Hong Kong right now and still the beginning. And we have big plans on this category. That's so exciting. I'm still sad that I missed you in LA in January. The other thing that's exciting news is Mac is, we talked about this for a second about the 40 years and there's a 40th anniversary that's coming up. How do you, for 40 years, and that's part of even what you talked about in CEW, to keep that their vision, to reinforce the culture, to keep the magic alive. And we talked a little bit about how important that is to you, but can you talk to us more about that? For me, like, it's a big milestone. We all turned 40 at one point in our life, and we know how much of a milestone it is for a human. So you know, I'm trusting that to your brain, and I'm like, yeah. I don't know whether I'm going to agree with that or not. I, you know, young at heart, 40 is the new 20. Exactly, right? <laughs> but it's a milestone because you've achieved so much, and you look forward to see how you can position yourself for the future. So I think the brand, Mac as a brand, is it's not a brand. It's more than a brand. It's a culture. So... Because of that, we always have to think about how we position Mac for the future. future. There's a lot to celebrate about Mac. And, you know, we talked about it, the stance on diversity and inclusion and being charitable with Viva Glam. We've raised over $500 million in seven years to fight against HIV AIDS, changing the lives of 19 million people every year. Wow. Yeah. So it's a big responsibility to carry on with such heritage. We've launched the Back to Mac program, which was a pioneer in Take Back Makeup program because our founders realized that not everybody can recycle makeup parts at the curbside. So we have Back to Mac, so you can bring your empties back to Mac and recycle the product. So we're improving this program. So what we're doing is really looking at what we are known for, what we love to be known for, and improving and future-proofing that. So for Back to Mac, for instance, we just signed partnerships. We've closed the loop in the U.S. to recycle even more of the empties so to make sure that we move close to 100% of recyclability of our products. So from a value perspective, Viva Glam, more than ever, right, where it fights for equity and equality, regardless of who you love, how you want to label yourself, where you live, and to make sure that we continue that fight. It used to be welcoming people that were stigmatized because they had HIV AIDS and making sure that they had food on the table, they had treatments, they live in the best condition to broaden this to everybody that is fighting for to be treated equally in today's world, right? Like so with a strong emphasis on the LGBTQ, LGBTQAI plus community, of course. So how do we future-proof that? There's so much going on. And of course, from an innovation standpoint, we have a lot, always making sure that the brand is as, as exciting as ever. Partnering with Tenpole in culture, we just finished the Met Gala where we had the fortune to work with a few celebrities and do their looks on the red carpets. We move at the speed of culture, we set ahead of trends, and we have the best product that reflects what people would love to see themselves with. But in addition to all this, we're moving our values to making sure that they are meaningful and impactful for most people living on this planet. 
I'm not have like a newfound love for Mac. I don't know who's listening to this who hasn't now refallen in love with Mac. I just bought the iconic red lip liner that my makeup artist used at my photo shoot. And she was telling me that every single makeup artist has it. I think Cherry has in their makeup kit for the reddest red of lips. I know we're, I can't believe how quickly this is going right now. As you know, I work in social, so we have to talk about social. And you're talking about moving at the speed of culture, the powers in the hand of the consumer with community. And you were raised with the values of community and how you create community wherever you go. Mac has an insanely large and engaged community, specifically on social. Like besides the makeup artist, besides in real life, but like even when we're talking about social, which is a part of, of your scope, there's 25 million followers on the global Instagram channel, which is enormous. And it comes with a responsibility. What role does social play for Mac? It's a very good point. So yes, we do have 25 million followers on our global handle, but we have 125 million followers on social around the world because we do have local handles on Instagram. We also have 800,000 followers on TikTok, though TikTok number of followers is not the KPI, but we have a super highly engaged platform. That's every brand's dream, right? So to be able to have that is... 800K is not a KPI on TikTok. I think that I could name five brands in my sleep that would be okay with having that as a KPI. Just a side note. Yes. I don't know if you know a little bit about our model. So Mac is a buzz-driven brand, right? Like if you feel about 40 years ago, the brand was born and successful because of word of mouth, working with the fashion moguls, whether it was celebrities from makeup designers to artists to models. We have iconic products like the Russian Red lipstick born and done for Madonna for her iconic tour. We had the spicy liner. You talked about the cherry liner, but the spice liner was for Linda Evangelista. We had face and body, which is a foundation that was used in Baywatch. Pamela Anderson and how she was like putting makeup on her skin before she put her orange bathing suit on and David is a lot too. So we have a few products like this. We're really becoming sensation because of word of mouth. So we are a brand of word of mouth. And today the word of mouth happens on social. So when social was born, we naturally embrace social. We're digital first, social first brand because of the way we are discovered. We're not a brand that will go on national TV. We're not a, a traditional classic marketing brand. Like we really believe in the power of word of mouth and earn media value. So talk, of course, and Instagram are YouTube, obviously, part of our wheelhouse, like in terms of how we want the brand to be known and how we want to connect with our communities, right? Create this connection and being there to answer the question, to help them discover product, to give them inspiration with trends, how to create those trends on themselves. We use and we tap into our 13,000 makeup artists to help create those looks for them. And the social media are the platform for these artists to display their technique with our consumers. So social is important for us and it will remain important. At Mac, we harness the power of community to transform the society. And I think communities today connect on social naturally. Like I have, let's say I love flowers, whatever. I'm just like making things up. Then 
I will connect with everybody who likes flowers, regardless of where they live. So that's what social has done for us. It's actually bring our communities together. We're always community-based, but now we have virtual places for those communities to meet and to connect whenever they want, right? We, of course, do eventing in real life to have those communities, to bring those communities together. Just mentioned the Hyperreal event. We had an event in Paris for the launch of Lockist for Fashion Week. Continue to do that, but social is where things happen organically. So we empower our community on social to have the discussions and also to give us feedback on what they want to see from the brand, what they don't love about our product, what they love about our product, the shade we've discontinued that they want to have back, the product that they cannot live without, and all the product they don't understand. It's really a conversation with our consumer all the time and our communities at large. I love it. This is the social dream, the social media manager's dream of a community. I couldn't have said it better myself. So one last question before we wrap this up. I can't believe uh, how fast this has gone. I love speaking with you and I find your messages so empowering and inspirational. I love to ask people because I think it's so important. You mentioned trusting the process and to listen and learn and be a student of life and how not to make assumptions that you know everything. I'm curious to know what is, I mean, this is a very loaded question, but what are the biggest lessons you've learned along your career? So going back even to the question that a young talent asked you, but along that way of trust the process or to listen and learn, something that helped you get to where you are. Personally, I would say that the big aha moment for me to understand that my teams, I have the fortune to work with people that are wonderful, they're very strong, they're very passionate, and they also trust me, which always like, I'm like, oh, it's a lot of responsibility of having the trust of a team. I think that's great. When I was younger and when I was growing up in corporate, in the corporate world, I would think that because of that responsibility, I had to be perfect. I had to be up. I had to be strong. I had to be. And then I actually realized that the more people trust you, the more they want you to be vulnerable and to show you, to show your struggle, to be open about the things that you don't do, right? Because they feel like they have permission themselves to fail or not to be at the top of their game all the time. So I think I'm naturally demanding. I have naturally high standard. I have naturally a lot of ambition for the business and the brands I work for, because I really believe that if you spend so much time doing your job, it needs to be worth it. Like, I don't want to have kids, you know. And every day I have to go to work and, you know, somebody else spend time with them and I have to pay for that person. So it needs to be worth it for me as a person. Everybody works so hard. I think we need to see an outcome. So I have high standard, but the biggest lesson I've learned is regardless of your standard, if you wrap this into authenticity and vulnerability, I think it goes like further, right? Like people don't expect you to be an untouchable rock, actually, and for me, that was a big aha. I think I wouldn't, 10 years ago, I don't know if I would have been very clear on that and the role of vulnerability as a leader. I think that's something that came later to me. That's really insightful. I think it's about 
showing your humanity, because I think and historically that was a point of weakness, because as your point, you're supposed to be perfect. You're the leader that you have this polished look, appearance, approach. And now the authenticity of showing that you actually are a human and real thoughts, real feelings, real challenges, and also limitations of what you don't know. I think that that is extremely empowering for our team. Yeah, the more you grow up, like the more larger your team is, the less you know about what they do. Like, you know, you have to rely on them. But I would say like, as a woman, you know, growing up in corporate wasn't a given. You know, when I started, there wasn't a lot of women at the top. So I felt like I had to always be perfect. And I think like that's probably a blind spot that a lot of women have because you feel like to get there, you really have to push hard. And you have to be demanding, which is all good, all good stuff. But I look at today's population, the younger talent in corporation, but also like people overall, even people who have been there for like many, many years, they want to know the human person behind the leader. And they want to see that humanity come through, not just through doing things perfectly, but also screwing up and having those moments where we learn together. And sometimes you learn the most from the mistakes that you make, more so than what you do right. Yeah. One of my favorite words in corporate is failing forward. I really believe in the power of failing forward. Yeah, I think that's great. You're amazing. And this was by far one of my most favorite conversations that I've had on this podcast. And I think that there's so much to learn from. I think you've had an incredible career and starting from, again, if you haven't read the CEW article, you're not a CEW member, contact me or find someone that is. The article on Aida just really showcases a lot about who she is and her core beliefs and values. It really is reinforced through Mac and it sounds like it's the perfect place and the perfect leader to be able to be there to build it. And I'm so grateful for you spending this time with us today. I loved our conversation and really appreciate it. Thank you, Mimi. I was super happy to catch up with you as well. It's been a minute. So I know. <laughs> there's a lot of things that we've learned in the past 10 years. <laughs> totally. Here. Yes. <laughs> Merci beaucoup. And we'll talk soon. Merci, Mimi. Thank you for having me. This has been Beauty Is Your Business. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network. And find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>